All right, call to order the Iowa City City Council Economic Development Committee meeting of October 28, 2019. We always like to start just kind of by going around the room and getting everybody's names for the record. So if you want to start, Simon. Simon Andrew, assistant to the city manager. Wendy Ford, economic development coordinator. Jim Throgmorton, mayor of Iowa City. Kurt Nelson, EDC. Rock Nicole, city council. Susan Mim, city council. Andrew Sherber and film scene. Thank you. It just helps Wendy when she's doing all the minutes. So. We will move on. Item number two, consider approval of the minutes from the August 28, 2019 Economic Development Committee meeting. So moved. Second. Any discussion? All those in favor say aye. 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 Opposed? Okay. Passes 3-0. Item number three, update and consider request for funding for fiscal year 21 for $25,000 in assistance for Trump Entrepreneurial Development Center, Inc. in Cedar Rapids. Wendy, I'll turn this over to you. And Rockney, would you slide your mic down to Kurt, maybe, and sure, grab I this can. one? Sorry. Make sure you get me on the record. Yep. I'll let Wendy start here. Sure. First of all, uh, apologies in your meeting packet. Uh, the information for items three and four was flip-flop. So <laughs> if you're actually looking at your packet, um, you're on, you should be on page 18 right now. And when, when we go to uh, item number four, we should go to page seven. So page 18. Um, uh, today we have with us Kurt Nelson, who's the president and CD, uh, CEO of the EDC, Inc., in Cedar Rapids, um, who uh, has been coming to the city of Iowa City for the past six years um, with a request for assistance for uh, his operation, which is an entrepreneurial um, assistance firm located in Cedar Rapids but operating um, the entire length of the corridor. Um, the EDC uh, works with a professional staff to help businesses in um, various startup stages, uh, from startup to established to uh, even mature companies to do better and reach the next level in their, uh, in their businesses as well. Um, Iowa City, as you know, has supported the entrepreneurial community in a number of ways. You know, we started out by assisting the Iowa City Area Development Group when they started the CoLab, the first CoLab location on Court and Lynn Street. And um, recently, or in the last few years, we've also assisted with uh, providing space and some assistance with the rent in the merge space, which is the uh, expansion of the collab opportunities in Iowa City. Um, but we still felt that there were that there was some technical assistance um, that some of our um, our entrepreneurial um, folks needed, and we found that the EDC and Cedar Rapids was one way in which we could uh, help make those connections. So I thought we would have um, Kurt in today to talk a little bit more about the year they've had, some of the Iowa City businesses they've assisted, and then um, we would ask for your consideration of an additional twenty or of twenty-five thousand dollars in assistance for the FY. 21 budget. Thank you, Wendy. Kurt, right, so feel ahead. free. I'm, I'll, I'll give you a bunch of information, but feel free to stop me and ask questions. Um, this is we've, we've, we just finished 16 years of doing what we do since I founded this organization, and you know we, we work across the state. You know we've worked with I think 1,060, I think somewhere around 66 or 65. There were two new ones last week, so uh, businesses uh, from around Iowa, but primarily it's 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 it's, uh, it's this 
creative corridor, if you will, that we spend the time in because we tend to focus on, in the areas where the funders fund us to work. Um, so uh, because we raise most of our money in the corridor, that's where money, most of the money gets invested, uh, although the state's a big supporter as well. Um, so, you know, this is the this is the fifth year you guys have supported us, and our, uh, and and you know, in, in time you've, you've you've supported us to about one hundred thirty one thousand dollars so far, which has been great. Um, I think that uh, you know I've given you a bunch of information. I just put it all out to you. We do a special report for you every year that's just about the city of Iowa City, and then we have our stakeholder reports and. And, and so forth that we send out to everybody that really has our statewide uh, our st stats in them. Um, right now, if you add up the economic impact of, the, of, of all of the businesses that we've supported, we're getting pretty close to $3 billion in impact in the state of Iowa now in 16 years, which from a statistics standpoint is one of the top programs in the country. Um, you know, f over $450 million of capital has been raised by the companies that we have helped, over $2 billion of increased revenue growth and the, 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 the growth of those companies, getting pretty close to 3,000 uh, new jobs. Average wage now has, has gone up in the last couple of years to about 54000 which is above uh, the area norm. Um, increased payroll is over $550 million. Um, We've raised in the time to run this organization about $12.5 million, uh, just to kind of give you a sense for it. And so some of that money has come from things we charge for. When, when we work with larger companies that are profitable, they just pay us, right? So it's not like we have to fundraise for everything that we do. We don't fundraise for all. Um, but, but when you're supporting us, you're supporting us for the ones like the Paradex of the world when we were helping with Paradex when they got started. Because they're out, they're, they're burning money, so to speak, right? It's burning capital. And uh, they need help, right, so they don't have extra money to pay. Right? So those are the businesses that you really help us with. Uh, about 52% of our funding comes from private supporters over time. Um, the rest of it's public and, and, uh, and our own operational earnings. Um, if you look at all of the, the, any of the reports that we provide, you can, you can see the logos all across the bottom of the page of everybody that supports us and, uh, on an annual basis, so lots of, lots of great support. Um, so um, I think, you know, we focus, just uh, to remind you all, we focus on interstate commerce, high-impact, scalable-type businesses. So like Wendy and I were just talking about metacommunications, because I think some of you know that that business has been going through quite a bit of turmoil over the last few years, right? And we've been helping a lot to try and figure out how to keep that business alive. We're on our third CEO in three years. Um, you know, and right now we're trying to close on some new capital, and I just left there. I was there for a couple hours this afternoon before I came here. Um, so we're doing everything we can do to keep that business alive and well in your community. Um, good for everybody. Good for you. Good for, good for the state. Um, but that's the kind of business we work with. Right, right there. Um, I, I we featured uh, every year on the report to you. We feature different folks. You know, we featured um, Oasis Falafel, Naftali, and Ofer this year because it's, you know a lot of you I'm sure know them, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and uh, you know, it, and it's not one that would be obvious that we would be supporting, but they've came to us a number of years ago, and they're actually a donor to our organization, and they came to us a number of years ago, you know, with this this desire. You know, they distribute their their hummus. But they make what they distribute in their restaurant. So they can only make so much hummus in their restaurant, right? So they can only distribute it to so many of the Hy-Vees and Fairway stores. And so those stores have come and said, can we not buy this product network-wide? And the, the question always has been, 
well, not if we're going to make it in our restaurant, right? Mm -hmm. So, so um, I think we've been working with them now for about two and a half years on a relationship, and I believe they've got it now resolved with um, with Kelowna Dairy, and I think Kelowna Dairy is going to produce some copac for them, and so I think we're just on the cusp. You can kind of just keep that in here until they announce it, but we're just <laughs> on the cusp of them saying, "Yep." They've got the mixture down to so it's the way they want it. You know, mm -hmm. then they'll be able to handle high V corp across the entire network like that, which will be great um, because it's a homemade is a product made here, right? The company's right here. So, um, and you can chat with them anytime. Um, they've been great supporters and they've uh, are great users of the services that we've given them as well. And Dr. David Krupp is on here. Mm -hmm. Now, um, David, I don't know if you know him at all. Occasionally you'll see him on a billboard. Mercy uses him, Mercy Hospital here uses him. He, for a while, was a head of ER at Mercy. Um, he's an ER doc, but what he, you know, if, if you're an ER doc and you, you've closed many scalp wounds on children, you've, you, you learn, and this is not the thing I didn't learn until I learned it from him, is, is that every child you close a scalp wound on, and they're screaming. You have to stick a needle in the cut. You have to Novocaine it. You have to hold them in a, in a vice lock if you're the surgeon. It, give them the shot, and then you take a staple gun, and you pump, pump staples in their head. And you traumatize the child, and you traumatize the mother or the dad who's there with the child. Mm -hmm. And so he said, you know, and these are the things. And he'll tell you, these are the things that causes you to want to retire as a surgeon, because you can only do that so many times before <laughs> it starts to wear on you. So there's a treatment or a, a technique called uh, hair opposition uh, technique, HAT, um, where instead of, of, of stitches, you use opposing hairs mm. and you pull the cut shut and then you use surgical glue and you glue it and you let go and you're done. Oh. No syringe, no staples, no trauma, no screaming, no crying, except that you can't really do it by hand. So he's actually now developed using the CoLab, the the guys at the 3D printing facility at the CoLab, and I think he's on his about 50th revision of this product, and that's been great. But he's got these two uh, disposable plastic utensils that will go and snap into the hair and pull it across um, so that the, the nurse can just lay the glue in and then you just throw them away and off you go. Um, and so we've been helping him with federal grant applications and uh, helping him think through the whole business concept. So we have a lot of hours in, in Dr. Krupp at this point in time, right? And he's got some of his money now in this because he's been also paying to get the prototypes made, um, but way less than you'd pay anywhere else. So this protolab here has been excellent for this client. Uh, so this one uh, is kind of exciting because it's a medical device. Um, and so, and we do quite a bit of work in the medical space, although most of that tends to end up being out at the BioVenture Center, but, but David's here right in town. So I'll, I'll give you those two. If you, an update on Paradec. Paradec, um, for the last year and a half, I actually went, went in and fractionally helped manage their sales force as they scaled. And right now we're interviewing for a VP of sales. Um, the business has been roughly doubling every year. Mm -hmm. So it's been growing at a really good rate. Um, product has been excellent. They're evolving the products, so the business is in excellent shape. Um, they're going to need more space. Um, they're kind of sitting on top of each other here over, over by the library now. So um, I think you're going to see that one continue to grow. 
so that's been great as well. So, um, so lots of um, lots of progress. I mean, you can look at the stats. The stats that we always kind of give you are on the back of the sheet. You know, and if you look at Iowa City proper, about three and a half million dollars got raised by businesses in in Iowa City proper last in, in 2018. Um, $21 million program to date. Um, when you look at private and public dollars, it's nearly all private, 27 to 1 in 2018, 6 to 1 over time. Increased revenue by companies that we helped grow last year was $14 million, $93 million over time. New jobs, 28 last year, 278 over time. Um, average wage now, 48000 here, 48.7 thousand here, increased payroll, about $2 million of raises and new, new, new wages paid last year. One new business started last year. It's an economic impact of about $20 million for your community last year, about $166 million over time. So it's how you would look at your investment to say, well, what are these businesses doing for my community? It's not what we're doing, it's what they're doing in your community, and I think that's what you want to see. So that's what we do, that's what we're founded to do. Um, we spend a lot of time in Johnson County. In reality, we spend more time in Johnson County than we're funded to spend in Johnson County. But we appreciate the dollars that you provide us. And if you can steer me to anyone else that wants to support us out of Johnson County, that'd be marvelous too. So I'll, I'll shut up and let you ask questions. Well, as always, it's a pleasure to have you here from my perspective and the work that you do because, you know, I think as, as a small business owner myself and looking at others that are doing different kinds of things, that, that marketing, that developing a product, that finding your spot, finding employees, et cetera, is not necessarily what the owner's expertise is. And so to be able to tap into um, resources like yours that can bring that expertise to the table and allow them to do uh, what they do best is is the most efficient use of their time and and gives them the most success and i think as we've worked through this to make sure that that the time is being spent in this end of the quarter and obviously it is and, and the numbers show that um, to me it's a great investment for the city to to help in growing those kinds of businesses particularly the smaller ones that that we really are subsidizing with this money like you said the bigger ones they're paying you to do the work um, but those smaller ones who couldn't do it and the success that they're having is a real positive so questions comments from other members of the committee yeah you know i've known michael lynch since she was 12 or 13 years old so it's a real treat to see that she and her husband are having such success with regard to paradox uh, and bravo to you for helping them and other entrepreneurs succeed at what they're doing but i want to draw attention to uh, um, a topic that uh, seems a little bit off, uh, off target with regard to entrepreneurialism, but it has to do with the fact that a couple months ago we declared a climate crisis resolution. I don't know if you've followed this or not. We have declared that we and the rest of the world are facing a climate crisis and that we need to take effective action to, in our case, reduce our carbon emissions generated within Iowa City city's city limits by 45% as of the year 2030. So part of what we need entrepreneurs to do is invent ways to reduce carbon emissions. So my appeal to you is to look for ways in which you and your firm can help entrepreneurs do that. Because this is a in our judgment, is an enormous challenge that uh, is getting worse day by day and uh, is th really threatening in the long run. So 
I, I hope Clearly you can look problem. at that. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting. Um, if you know, if you if you look at what entrepreneurs, you know, because we have, we're working with 40 right now. Um, there's five of us, and that's about it. Um, 40 companies is about all we can deal with. But um, uh, it's interesting to watch over time the what the businesses tend to be, right? Because when you know when ethanol and biodiesel was real pop, it was got to be a big thing, and this would go back 12 years ago, 14 years ago. You know, we saw quite a few deals. Uh, businesses that were getting started up in that area, um, but we haven't probably touched a biofuels business in 10 years. Um, but it, what's interesting is, you know, for us, you know, the after this long, you know, entrepreneurs are coming to see us every week, uh, so we we have to make resource <laughs> resource judgments all the time. Right, relative to the, the the sophistication of the business, the sophistication of the entrepreneur, is it something that we should really be investing your money in to grow? And I think you have the ability to say we would prefer to have our money invested in certain ways as others, and that's what you're asking, and we appreciate that, and that's fine. Um, although we're not we're not necessarily the organization that can go give the entrepreneurs the ideas, so if there's something we could do together from a community standpoint, we would surely be happy to be the the, the catalyst to cause the businesses to succeed if you could help us figure out a way to stimulate that idea. Talk about the importance of reducing carbon emissions. Yeah. For, with people that you know. Yeah. Just spread that word. Yeah. Well, we'll do it. We'll, we'll help in any way we can. I'm curious in terms of how you get the word out about your services, and I, I'm thrilled that you're featuring Oasis. Um, I love their hummus. I love their restaurant. It's really fun Saturday morning to go with my wife and daughter there. Um, we also do have a large Sudanese community among other ethnic groups within the community, and I would real. And there's a lot of entrepreneurs. They do a lot of the Middle Eastern cuisine as well. And long after my term, which is about ready to conclude in two months here, I'd really like to see a future Oasis-type business coming out of that community. Um, so what I'm wondering is, is how do people find out about you? Do you do outreach to some of these more underserved communities? Because I, there's some tremendous entrepreneurial energy. Some of them are more of the startup concept, but but how do they connect? So I get out in the community quite a bit. Um, you know, if they do have an idea or if they do have an already existing business, um, how, how do they connect with you? And, and how do they? Because uh, at least in terms of my focus, I'd really like to see assistance to scale up some of those businesses. We also have a lot of Arabic speakers in the community as well. Yeah, Kurt, I, I, have, I, I totally agree with Rockney, and uh, we have a similar, I would ask a similar question with regard to our Congolese population. Because yeah. mm -hmm. we, in both cases, we have large and growing populations. And some of them are really skilled at a variety of things, but how do they learn about you? Yeah. Well, I think what's interesting is, uh, you know, we, we don't spend the money on the outreach anymore um, because fundamentally we are as busier, busier than we can handle um, as it is, right? And because we've been around for 16 years, if you get into the entrepreneurial ecosystem, if you get in and if you touch the chamber, or if you touch ICAT, or if you touch any of these partners of ours, they they get steered right to us. So the, the references just happen like that at the state level um, all over because of the, the, the brand that we have. Um, We've, uh, you know, we uh, as an organization have always said that, you know, 
an entrepreneur is an entrepreneur, right? An entrepreneur is not a different entrepreneur because they're a different color or they're a different race, right? They're, they're, they are an entrepreneur because they are an entrepreneur, and if they have, you know, so I, it's like we see them in a dark room, all right? Is, we see the entrepreneur, we see the business, and if it makes good sense, we're in, right, no matter what. And, uh, and I think, you know, so now as the community, the question we, is, because uh, is, is, is there something that we could be doing or in conjunction with you where, uh, where you could, uh, we could set up some type of, a, of an inf informational meeting, right? So if, if you know, if, if, if you're talking about one particular group, right, uh, the Congolese or, or the, uh, the Sudanese, you know, set up a, set up a, uh, some type of a meeting. We'll come and we'll present. We'll just lay out everything that we have. That'd be great, right? But 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 we're really not the organization to go round them up and set up yeah, the meetings and totally. do all that because it's yep. because of the bandwidth. But but yeah. but we're your partner, yeah. and so you know you, we're your vendor. You're buying services from us, so you know you have the right to say, well, we'd like you to spend it here. Um, I do this with the City of Cedar Rapids. They give us $100,000 a year, and I give them a report every year, and they want to know where every dollar was spent and what all the what all the businesses are. So they get a report like this, and they sit in front of that council every year. So this is the kind of thing we could ask Wendy to help organize? Yes, absolutely. With them. Yeah, great. Yeah, absolutely. Do, do, do you know of an, another group title called the Mandela Fellows? Have you met with them? No, I've not. They're, I think um, they're part of a State Department program that was initiated by President Obama. So uh, the Mandela Fellows are named after former president of South Africa, Nelson Mandela. And it involves typically somewhere around 25 or so fellows who come from Africa, various countries in Africa. They're almost all entrepreneurs. And they come here to the university to link up with the business school to learn what they can about entrepreneurship here. And when then I've had the opportunity to we meet with them each time they come. A year ago, two years ago, it sounds like that group come see us um, and gave them a bunch of information and stuff that they could take back. Probably, so probably was that group. Then, yeah, so I remember meeting with them, yes. Very good. And one final question. Um, Wendy's done a lot of great work in sort of setting up some real nuts and bolts entrepreneurship workshops, you and staff. I'm getting the sense from your organization, though, do people typically approach you once they reach sort of that second or third tier level of growth? Or do you, in some cases, work with or maybe give information to some of those right out of the door entrepreneurs? Well, it's about, you can see the charts, there's a, there's a pie chart in, in the stakeholder report that says for 2018, it broke it up pre-revenue versus early stage revenue versus later stage revenue, and historically it's been about a third, a third, and a third over 16 years, and in a given year it, it, it fluctuates. So, um, you know, you, you can come and see us when you have an idea, okay. and you just want to know does it make sense. Yeah. Right, or you can go to a venture school, or you can go to the startup accelerator. Right, but we do everything they do. We don't have to do it. Those are just competitive things. Okay, right? but but so we can help you from whatever stage. You know, a typical engagement with a client, with a business, with us is is over five years. Um, so it's it's hand holding. You know, and it's unique in what we do because we actually roll up our sleeves and get in and help them work. We don't just say this is what you need to do, because for the most part they don't totally understand everything we just said when we say it because there's no frame of reference for it, and and and, and they tend to want to go back and do what they were wanted to go do anyway, right? So the way to really help them is to get in, roll your sleeves up, and actually help them do the job. 
so that they so that so that you can actually help them make the progress because we grade ourselves based on progress made with every client on a, on a yearly basis not on advice given so okay so did they grow did they stay alive you know did they get the new product introduced did they get this done and and what did we do to help that um, and so you know uh, that's great yeah I I mean, I think you know. So, so you can be a can be a student um, with a brand new idea. Uh, you know, I sat on the innovation building uh, steering committee when they were going through that with the university, right? Um, but I would say this to you: after, after working now with well over a thousand of these entrepreneurs, and anywhere from the ages of eighteen to probably the mid seventies, um, you know, you, people what what they really need, right, is they really need talent to help them figure out what they're doing, right? And then they need money. Money without talent is just dangerous, right? Because just, <laughs> it just digs a deeper hole, right? Yep. Well, I got more money. I'll look how far do you dug down, right? So, okay, now how do I get out of the hole? Uh, so it's important. And I, I, I say to young entrepreneurs all the time, because I've got this one gal that she's, I just wanna, I'm, she's like 28 years old, and I'm just going to become a, a business consultant because I don't want to work for anybody. And I'm like, yeah, except you, you don't have anywhere near enough experience to become a consultant yet, right? So... You know, the average successful entrepreneur when they start their first venture is 38 years old, right? In the tech sector, it's 41 years old. So if you look, and that would that would be pretty standard for us, because I think if you look at the cover of our pages, you've got people on there from 60 to 30. Um, but they tend not to be the kids graduating from, from college, right? You know, they tend to be the ones that have actually gone out, gotten in the business world for five to 10 years, and then actually got some business savvy and then and then figured out a problem in the sector that they were in and then left to solve it. You know, I have a lot of Alec Witters as an example. Now, Alec is, you know, HLT, you're familiar with mm -hmm. Alec. You know, that's a great business, and, that, and I've been an advisor to Alec for four years. Um, but that's more, you know, that's a little bit more the exception than it is the norm to see, right? I'm going to think even Riley and, and Michael from Paradeck, because Active Grade was their previous business, and before that they were school teachers, right? Now they're being very successful now, but, but, but they were school teachers for better than a decade, and they started a, a first business where they should have gotten some more help that they didn't get. <coughs> so by the time they got to this one, they knew exactly what to, when to raise their hand and when to go out and bring that extra talent in to wrap around them to help them be more successful, and they are reaping the rewards of all of that. So they're very experienced. So I know we're, we're, we're fine with helping the, the young folks, but at the same time, we're cautious to say that, you know, if you really, from an economic development perspective, if you really want to impact your community, then you want to focus on helping the folks that have the, the greatest wherewithal to get the jobs done. Right? Because if you want somebody to work on climate change and somebody that's in that space, that's been in that space, that works around that space, that has ideas in that space, would make the most sense, right? Because they would come with knowledge and understanding and some savvy around it. Um, great. Very good. I'm over talking. Oh, it's great. Love it. Well, thank you very much. Thank you. All right. All right. Do we myself. have a motion to uh, approve the recommendation for the 25000 So moved. Second. Any further discussion? All those in favor say aye. 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 Opposed? Passes three to zero. Kurt, thank you. Thank you very, very much. much. Yes. Appreciate yes, you the time. Great. great to see you all. Yep. Talk to you soon. Andrew? Yeah. Andy, are you going to show anything up here? I'm not. Mm -mm. Sorry. 
right. Okay. Good. You're accustomed no, to no, showing no. movies. It's a film and we've got no sorry. We can go across the street if you <laughs> want to watch movies. <laughs> I want to much better screen over there. All right, moving on to item number four, annual report and consider request for fiscal year 21 financial assistance for film scene and new refocus film festival. Andrew, well, let you start, Wendy, I guess. Okay, well, um, just a few points from the memo. Um, obviously, film scene is on the cusp of uh, sort of a, a big new expansion. Well, I guess we're open now in the, in the new location, um, but film scene, continues to operate the original film scene or scene one location, um, has ramped up to employ, uh, have doubled the employees to be able to staff the um, the new theaters in the Chauncey building. Um, and they come to us with a request for $25,000 for operating funds for the coming year, which is this, the same amount as they received the last couple of years or so. And there is a history of that. Uh, in the uh, in the memo that I gave, um, they have requested that we consider increasing that amount um, over the coming fiscal years. And as you know, while you can't commit dollars to a future council's uh, budget, um, we have in the past. Uh, delicately suggested that we intend to budget X amount of dollars going forward into the future. And then that request comes the following year to the EDC and, and potentially um, goes in the budget. Um, <clears throat> this year, um, staff is um, comfortable recommending the $25,000 um, for film scenes operations, but we feel like we don't know enough to be able to make a recommendation to intend to budget an increase over the coming years. There's a lot that um, is changing on the film scene landscape, and um, staff just felt that it would be good to have more information um, to be uh, any more visionary than just saying let's budget the $25,000 for um, FY21. Um, there is the also a request for funding a new film festival, the Refocus Film Festival. Um, the inaugural, inaugural year, uh, year would be next September. Um, they're planning on an $80,000 budget for this new festival, and they've requested $7,000 from the city with an intent for us to increase that uh, that number as well. And um, same thing, staff would just kind of like to revisit it again when um, it's time to consider dollars for coming year's budget. So staff recommendation on both of these would be um, the $25,000 for operations plus the $7,000 for the refocus film festival. Um, and rather than go through points in my memo about the history, I think we're all fairly familiar with that, um, having uh, learned and seen a lot recently about film scene. I just turn it over to uh, Andrew Sherburn to uh, talk a little bit about this past year and a little bit about the future as well. Yeah, well, thank you very much for having me here uh, to, to make this annual request. Um, it was indeed a very busy year. Um, as we kind of look back at our, our history over, over five years, um, you can see 
kind of a, a pretty uh, steady growth uh, of the organization, um, both uh, in in terms of our size as well as our operation and our economic impact. Uh, we began, of course, five years ago, or almost six now, um, with a single screen on the Ped Mall that became two screens, and we now operate four screens between two locations. Um, and right now, they are still working on the fifth screen, which will be the the uh, another room over at uh, across the street at the Chauncey Building. Um, so soon we'll have five. Sometime next year we'll have five operational screens. So it's a pretty rapid growth for our young organization. Um, all along, the city has, has provided um, some consistent support, which we're greatly appreciative of, um, especially kind of looking at uh, uh, just our financial history here. Um, during some of those growth years, uh, we did run a deficit as we were investing in, in our operation. Um, and, uh, and we were able to kind of work our way out of that uh, over the last few years. And last year being the biggest box office year kind of nationwide uh, that the movies have ever had, uh, we were actually able to post a, a sizable profit and invest that or put that into an operating reserve, which I think is a really good thing for our organization to have. Nonprofit arts organizations are often susceptible to um, a lot of economic forces out of our control. So to be able to have that operating reserve is really good for our organization, uh, especially as we have heavily invested in, in technology, which needs occasional uh, replacement, repair, et cetera. Uh, so I think we're in good, uh, solid financial footing right now, which is great. Uh, but you know, coming to this year, uh, we've obviously opened this new facility, uh, doubled our staff, uh, both our salaried staff and our hourly staff that operates the box office and the projection booth. Um, so we've invested heavily in our, our workforce and uh, this year, uh, as we kind of find our footing with this two-location op two operation, we do anticipate uh, a loss year ahead of us, um, although uh, a much smaller one than we've seen some years in the past. Um, but we do think that this this year um, will take a little bit to kind of you know market ourselves and make sure that people know we're here. Although we have a very prominent, visible um, <laughs> building, which is, is served to be the best marketing that than one could hope for. Uh, but we do think that that this year will will be. Uh, a year of kind of dipping back down before we grow again over the next few years. Uh, looking at, at you know what that means for the city and and what film scene has be, been able to uh, do in terms of the economic impact that we've brought to downtown and the surrounding area. Uh, we currently have an operating uh, budget of about nine hundred thousand dollars this year. We anticipate that's going to almost double next year. Uh, in addition, we have about a one point three million dollar economic impact on the local economy, and that's beyond ticket sales or concession sales. That's outside of film scene, and those figures are pulled from the. Americans for the Arts uh, survey, which they do periodically every few years, uh, judging you know what patrons spend on the surrounding community. Because dinner and a movie is a very real thing. Uh, we know that some people come from you know down in the Quad Cities to see films that they can't see down there, and they spend the night here. Uh, or you know whether that's shopping, uh, you know at the local retailers that surround us. Uh, we think that there's a lot of growth that'll happen there as well. Using those same figures, we believe that that economic impact will grow to 2.3 million dollars in the next year. Uh, so I think, it, you know, film scene beyond just uh, providing, uh, you know, films and, and cultural opportunities to this area does provide a pretty sizable economic boost. Um, 
and you know it's funny we, we were just learning about uh, you know some of the the local entrepreneurs in this area uh, the folks at Pear Deck since they've already been referenced here once in this meeting uh, they're good friends uh, of mine and friends of the organization and and I've heard many times over that you know they're one of their biggest challenges is recruiting and retention of, of People, talented individuals. Um, this is not a tech hub like San Francisco, and convincing people to come here uh, and be a part of this community, choosing to be a part of this community, is one of their biggest challenges. And so, the arts, uh, I think, as a as a recruitment tool, as a retention tool, uh, are critical for for making sure that people want to come to this community and and make it their home. Um, so that's kind of an immeasurable thing that I hope that uh, that Film Scene and the other arts organizations here in Iowa City uh, provide to the community. Um, you mentioned also uh, our intention this year to expand our programming. Um, we're doing that in a number of ways. Uh, we hope to form a partnership with the Summer of the Arts and begin operating uh, their annual outdoor movie series across the, the street there at the Chauncey Swan Park. Uh, so we hope to be investing in some additional technology there. Uh, that's not reflected in this budget. We're still waiting for those, um, those figures, but that'll be a, a cash outlay that we don't have currently in the budget. Um, so that's that's not included in this request, um, but it is a big thing that we have on the horizon. We're also expanding. Uh, tonight is actually the launch of our first adult education course. Uh, so that's a four-week course for for adults to learn a bit more about about film. Um, we're doing more and more community partnerships, uh, working with local nonprofits, community organizations to shed some light on the, the causes that they believe are important through film and, and gather people together and engage. All of these things um, cost us a, more money than, than they bring in. So that, those are just a few of the ways that, that we're kind of giving back to the community. Um, as well as you can see um, kind of a list of things that we started in the last year, uh, expanding our high school film programming, uh, expanding our, our Women's March program into a year-round program that we've rebranded as Real Representation, which spotlights uh, underrepresented perspectives um, from the female and non-binary artists. Uh, we've started a, an African diaspora community, committee of community members. Uh, whose goal is to is to connect films from African, African American, and Black filmmakers with the Iowa City community, um, and we've also broadened our ac accessibility efforts quite a bit um, in the last year, and we're continuing to do that. Uh, doing twice as many screenings in partnership with Systems Unlimited, who comes in during the day to have kind of um, uh, sensory uh, sensitive screenings um, for their community. Uh, we launched an open captions program for the deaf and hard of hearing community. Uh, and we've also now invested in uh, some of those assistive listening technologies that allows people to take in any film that has, has that captioning available. So try to serve our community as best we can um, and continuing to expand that in the next year. Uh, the biggest uh, initiative that we will have in the coming year, which we did ask for you all to consider kind of as a separate request, uh, is the launch of the Refocus Film Festival. This is a film festival that, uh, that we've been talking about for a number of years, but we just haven't had the space to do it. Now we do. Uh, so utilizing all of the spaces that we have at our disposal and kind of capitalizing on what Iowa City is best known for and, and taking a look at how, how does the written word translate to the big screen. So this film festival will, um, I think, be a, a film festival that could only exist here in the city of literature, but looking at adaptation and how works do translate from the page to the screen. 
Uh, so we're excited to launch that in September. Uh, we anticipate uh, a first year budget of around $80,000 and about 2,000 ticket buyers for that initial year. And we hope to grow pretty quickly uh, over the years to come and expand both the number of days and the number of films that we'll be uh, programming. Uh, that's a, that's a program that comes with quite a bit of risk, I would say, for our organization, um, just because uh, it's a pretty large initiative. It's hard to forecast exactly uh, how much response uh, we will get beyond ticket sales. I think we can kind of anticipate what the public will do to support that, but a lot of a budget for any film festival comes from grants and uh, the support of uh, you know the civic agencies, uh, sponsors, et cetera. Uh, so a healthy por uh, portion of our revenue forecast is, is in that regards, fairly risky. Um, so we do uh, ask that the, uh, that the city um, you know, help uh, help us with that. Um, and I think that uh, this will be a high-profile event for the region. I think more than even our regular programming, it should uh, offer opportunities for folks to come in from out of town and spend a few days here in the community, uh, especially as it continues to grow uh, both in regional and, and national prominence, which is our intention. Um, so yeah, I think I think that summarizes uh, what this packet is is talking about and, and the request, and we greatly appreciate the city's uh, past support. And I'm open to any questions you might have. I think it's just phenomenal how much you guys have grown over a short period of time. Um, it's just it's a real testament to to the leadership of the organization and the people that you've you know brought on board to work there, and certainly. You know, collaboration with Mark Moen and with the city in terms of the space um, in the Chauncey to, to add screen space. But when you look at, back at where you started, um, I mean, when I first came to Iowa City, we actually had real, the real old traditional, uh, you know, commercial type theaters, not the nonprofit downtown. And it's just, you know, then we didn't have anything. And now think what we have back is even better <laughs> than and such a variety of films so I am I am more than pleased to continue uh, to support film scene I'm just excited to see the continued growing outreach um, with the different populations that you mentioned with the high school students and people who have um, need different kinds of experiences in the theater whereas a traditional you know, corporate theater wouldn't have those adaptive kinds of technologies or or address the kinds of issues for sensory issues and, and those kinds of things. So excited to see that. Having said that, I'm also always sensitive to what staff is looking at in terms of the details of budgeting. And so I'm going to support what staff has recommended. And I certainly hope that as we move forward, we'll be able to do those increases that you're asking for. And so certainly don't take that as any uh, anything negative towards film scene or towards what you're doing. But I, I do think our staff tends to be, wants to be cautious and make sure that when we're committing to things that we can, we can really do it and not, we have a lot of things to look at, put it that way. And so I certainly hope that we'll be able to, in the next year, say yeah we can up that a five up that five thousand dollars we can continue you know the money for the film festival because i think you're doing great work and as you said it has it has a huge economic impact within the community um, you talked about recruiting people to come here um you know the flyover state so to speak but i don't know how many people i've talked to over the years that once a potential employer has gotten them to come here they've just said wow 
you know, there's just so much here, and the arts is a huge part of that in terms of making people feel like this is a place they could want to be. So I want to thank you for everything that you folks are doing, and um, and I'm supportive of the staff recommendation. So. Andrew, have you been able to do a multiplier analysis in terms of every public dollar that goes in? How does it sort of multiply out into the community in terms of return? Uh, we haven't done done exactly that, no. Um, you have so, identified $1.3 million, which is good. Yeah, I think. Um, which is a healthy number. And you're looking at $2.3 million sort of moving correct, forward. Correct, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, okay. Um, the other thing, too, I was really glad of the African diasporas, like we talked about earlier. I think that's really great. Um, what are the goals, too, to, it's probably easier said than done, but to get the outreach to make sure that some of our outlying areas of the community can both get downtown, mm -hmm. and to what extent is it feasible to bring some of that programming out there, realizing, of course, that the main infrastructure is down down here? Yeah, I think that is one of our main goals for, for the next year, is increasing our access and outreach uh, initiatives. Um, we're happy to be where we are. You know, our new location sits on a bus line. It's uh, you know, e e on a on a bike lane. Um, it's much more accessible, hopefully, for everyone. Um, we certainly would support kind of. Uh, you know, I know that the city is looking at uh, kind of a transportation uh, overhaul as well. I'd love to see more bus routes uh, coming more frequently downtown, um, especially because for us, you know, oftentimes those you know the busiest times are are late nights and Sundays, and so right now. Um, the bus service is, you know, not doesn't line up very well with our, our busy yep. times. Um, so that's that's one thing that we would support. But in terms of what we we are doing on, on our own, uh, we try to partner with a lot of community organizations. Sometimes uh, it, it takes a very um, uh, it takes a lot of time and effort, I think, to, to reach out and connect with communities that don't really see um, themselves naturally as a, as a fit for our organization. So there's, it, it, it's kind of a slow start, I think, and, and takes a lot of focused energy to maybe craft a, a partnership that brings people in for the first time. Um, and that first time is really, um, then, then we start to see return visitors once people have been there and they feel like, oh, this is a space that I'm comfortable in. Um, so you know, when we work, uh, we've worked with the Center for uh, Work Justice. We've worked with uh, Sankofa Outreach, United Action for Youth, the Dream Center, a lot of um, community organizations that are doing that have those direct connections to um, you know some of those communities that we think are underserved, and, and we want to continue to do that uh, and create opportunities, create events, uh, programming that bring those people in and, and help them feel comfortable, so that they hopefully come back for the other 350 movies we show every year. And then also, Engler has a new outreach coordinator, I think. Um, so are you able to sort of dovetail in with some of what they're doing, or is that one and the same? Well, uh, the, the Angler, film scene in the Angler is part of our, our cooperative capital campaign. One of the goals is to hire a community education coordinator okay. jointly between the two organizations. So that is our intention in the long term. Um, we just have to get to that point in our, in our fundraising, um, because we do see the need. Uh, but it's something that our, each of our organizations can't uh, shoulder on our own. Um, but I think together we can, and hopefully that person can then also help with some of the arts, or other arts organizations in the, in the community. The final comment I would make is I'm liking the positive trend line in terms of revenue. It just seems like there's some very impressive growth in terms of membership, giving. I think they're almost all up, except maybe with the um, sponsorship and event support. But the grants are up, individual giving's up, contributed income is up. So yeah. those are obviously positive trend lines. Yeah, yeah. Andy, I support much of what Rockney 
asked about and what and how you responded. But I want to make sure, to the extent we can, that um, film scene doesn't uh, end up with the reputation as being an elite institution to which people from these various communities in our city don't feel welcome at or can't figure out how to go to, <laughs> you know, don't know that there's films that are, would be relevant to their lives being shown or anything like that. I'm not saying that's the case. I'm just saying I, I would hope that you would work very positively toward reaching out to the Sudanese Association, to the Immigrant and Refugee Alliance, mm -hmm. to, to Hispanics who are affiliated with the Center for Worker Justice, and, and so on, uh, to try to schedule things that would uh, really attract them as well. And on that point, it might be valuable for you to just invite some leadership in the Congolese Association or Immigrant and Refugee Association and the Sudanese Association, invite them down uh, for a tour of film scene and, uh, you know, let them walk through it just like everybody else and, and then uh, just ask them what, what they'd like to see, basically. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think you're you're absolutely right that that's that's one of the the goals that we have as an organization. Now that we've kind of gotten our feet under us uh, at the new location, is is to expand the outreach and expand, make sure people do feel comfortable because we don't want to, you know we got a beautiful new building um, that is warm once you get in it, but it can be you know perhaps intimidating from the outside. Um, so we do want people to come in and, and take a look around and get to know us, and um, so you know working on establishing those connections. And, and making real connections too, um, because oftentimes we'll have programming that that we think might well suit a, a community here. Um, but if they don't already know us, um, they don't they don't come. So working to establish those connections is, is one of the tasks ahead of us for sure. And I would have said the same thing with regard to labor union, not labor unions, lower income white people. Mm, and, sure. And and so maybe one way to connect with them is through labor unions, and maybe showing some films that really have to do with labor mm -hmm. and and uh you know the, the lives that uh, hard-working people live yeah yeah so i have one other question I'm, first of all i support the staff's recommendation and so that yeah. just to get that uh, to be clear about that um i feel some discomfort about the greatest small city for the arts campaign and uh, i need to be clear about why i personally feel the discomfort because maybe you can correct sure. presumptions i have um it, it appears to be a campaign for arts organizations, but it's not. It's a campaign for the Englert and film scene. So I worry about that. I, I think we need to make sure that we're doing, um, uh, we're providing equivalent assistance for uh, diverse arts-related organizations in the city so that all arts can thrive in our city. So help me with this, would you? Because I, I, I stew over it, and then I, I don't want us to be stewing over it. Sure, sure. Yeah, well, I think, you know, that campaign now has, um, I think, been going for about three years in, in, you know, the planning phases and then the quiet phase, and now about six months into the public phase, um, which I think is where it's obviously become much more visible, um, although the city's obviously been aware for, of it for a long time. Um, and I think all along, we wanted this campaign to be aspirational for increased collaboration, increased cooperation. Um, we certainly, uh, you know, at Film Scene, we've seen the 
how the endorsement of the Angler, for example, early on helped give us a boost and get us off the ground in, in the very early days. Um, so we understand the value of other arts organizations speaking up on behalf of each other um, and endorsing the work that they're doing. So uh, while this campaign specifically um, is principally oriented towards uh, investments in the capital infrastructure for both of our organizations, which, which is needed for the long-term health of the organization, there is a piece of the campaign that is aspirational in terms of evolving the arts community here in general. Um, we have, as a result of, of this campaign, as well as some of the other initiatives that are happening around town, uh, with Public Space One, for example, um, Riverside, we know, um, you know, probably uh, we've begun connecting with them more deeply, Summer for the Arts, uh, the Writer's House, some of these other arts organizations. Uh, we started meeting regularly with them to talk about what are our, uh, you know, our long-term goals as a collective. Uh, but we certainly believe that, you know, we can take some lessons from this campaign and apply them to a broader swath of the community um, for how we can better market the entire area as an arts destination, for how we can fundraise together, perhaps, for how we can program together and collaborate on programming. Uh, so it's certainly our intention to, you know, take the lessons that we've learned from this campaign and, and keep them moving and, and continue to evolve them even after the fundraising aspect is over. Um, so is that, does that answer? Oh, it helps, sorry, yeah, sorry. it helps. Yeah. Uh, so I, I want to follow up sure. with one last um, uh, item, which may, may be a real stretch, but I just came back from a, a, a meeting, a conference involving scholars of urban planning, and many of them were talking about indigenous peoples, First Nations, if you will, and about the heritage associated with indigenous peoples having lived in a certain area for a long time. And I participated on a panel with a woman who is, comes from the Muscogee tribe, which used to be in South Carolina, and they got deported to Oklahoma. Hmm. But uh, she was talking about kinship space-time relationships, which is a pretty interesting concept when you kind of think about it. Uh, but uh, it's making me wonder if there's some way that Film Scene could show s some films that might be of interest to members of the Meskwaki tribe or and or of the Iowa tribe, which I think has uh, its own tribal lands down in Oklahoma now. I'm not sure about that. But I think that'd be pretty exciting if you could arrange something like that that would attract members of those tribes who used to inhabit this area for thousands of years in one way or another, uh, but no longer live here, and yet in their spirits apparently feel a strong connection to the area. Well, the, good timing because November is Indigenous uh, People's uh, Heritage Month, and and so as part of that uh, film scene, actually, so starting on this Friday, we are showing short films made by Indigenous filmmakers before every feature film that we'll be showing in November. Yeah, and that's a, that's a collaboration with the Sundance Institute, um, who of course has you know runs the Sundance Film Festival, and so with their Sundance Fellowship Program, and they do work to support Indigenous artists, um, they've curated a, a selection of short films, and so we're bringing that 
short film collection in and rather than just show it in one program which might not reach as many people as we'd like it to we're showing a short film in front of feature films through the entire month um, so whether you're coming um, you know this this weekend for and I'm trying to remember what we open <laughs> anyway if you come, if you come to the movies this weekend uh, yeah you'll see short films um, before each each feature that we play they beat you great. to it, Jim. <laughs> great, great. We just act fast. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, w I would just follow up on your comment, Jim, about the, um, you know, best small city for the arts, you know, kind of campaign. I guess what I would also say, maybe take it from a little different angle, I, I certainly hear what you're saying, but I would take it from the other angle of, I think that the people at Film Scene and the Angler and whoever else worked with you on putting this campaign together were incredibly creative and um, coming up with a name that, that I think hits a lot of people, and it does hit a lot of people much more broadly, I think, than just those two entities. I'm sure there's lots of people driving around the community that see those yard signs, and if they haven't been reading, watching, and aren't big connoisseurs of, of the Angler film scene, don't even necessarily realize that that is the campaign sure, for the two. Yeah. And so from that standpoint, I think just the name itself and the yard signs do a lot for the community because it just starts people thinking more about how big the arts are in Iowa City and how important they are to what we are as a city. Yep. And so they may not even realize it, and I, and I guess I hadn't thought of it as exclusionary because it gets people thinking in that much broader context and certainly with all the work that you're doing to reach out and increase the collaborations between the various arts organizations, you guys get it. You, you get the fact that bringing everybody together, you all do better. Um, and, and so obviously with the Engler, you guys have figured that out and as you expand that with other organizations. It'll improve even more. So, I, I just I love seeing those little signs because I think you know all the people who walk, bike, drive around town and see all those little yard signs. It just kind of keeps that arts piece of Iowa City at the top of the mind, which is really important. So I think it's great. Anything else? Okay. Do we got a motion to approve? Do we have a second? So moved. Uh, second. All right. All those in favor, say aye. 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 All right. All right. It is Thank approved you. three to zero. Yeah. Thank you very much, Andrew. Yes. Appreciate your time and all your work. Thanks, Andrew. Yes. Thank you. All. All right. Thanks, Andrew. Thanks, Andrew. All right. Back to the agenda. Staff report. Anything, Wendy? Oh, I was hoping I could report that um, we'd have the financials in for Tailwinds, the project on the uh, College Street Ped Mall there, um, but we don't yet, so we're okay. waiting, eagerly waiting that one. Okay. Okay. Anything from the committee? Anybody? Any other business? Motion to adjourn? So moved. Second. All those in favor say aye. 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 We are adjourned. 458. Thank you.